rope holders. Y'all have heard that term a few times before. Uh, this is a, a thought that came from William Carey who talked about going to the mission field. And he said, I'll go, but I need people to hold the rope for me uh, back in the States or back in, the, in England at the time. So we're a class that uh, we work to uh, send cards. Jenny Loken is our a leader in that area, sending cards, knowing about prayer requests. Well, she's in uh, town for a few days, and we're just asking, I've asked her if she would to come and share with us what's going on in Roatan and give us a little more information on how to pray and know how to minister. There you thank go. You. Thank you very much. And thank you for really being there for me. Um, I, the person gets to be on the ground doing the fun stuff, but I can't do it without you guys here really supporting me and helping me. And um, I just want to tell you, I'm so grateful for what this class does for me. So thank you very, very much. Um, I just quick update some of the stuff that's been going on. Basically, our ministry is three-pronged. The first thing is our Christian school, Samuel Raymond Christian School. And do you have something I can switch the slides? I don't. Okay, I'll stretch. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm not ready yet. Okay, and um, <clears throat> we have a K through fifth grade writing a great each year. So this next year we're going to add sixth grade. We're going to have um, looks like almost 50 kids next year. So that's exciting. Uh, one of the big things that happened this year, we received a grant to. Um, build out the bottom of the school so we have classroom space, but it was not enough money to pay for labor, which was fine. I wanted the parents to do it, and that's what's happened. You can see this work day is moms, dads, kids, everybody out there pouring the cement slab and doing all that kind of stuff, which was really exciting to see happen. And so our school year is February to November, so we're set to have our new kindergarten class when school starts this fall, so we're excited. But that meant we lost our playground, and so, you know, that's pretty important for elementary kids. And so one of the neighborhood dads came by, and he said, I have land two, two plots over, and you can use part of that land for your playground. So we have a playground. So we're excited to have all that, how the Lord is working there. Okay, next one. The other thing we do is we teach English classes. I love these guys. They're just so much fun. So this is our night job, is teaching English classes. And... Um, it's just a joy to work with these students. And in the past, most of our students have been believers, but especially in the intermediate level class, a lot of our students are not believers. And my daughter Sarah works with me and works with them. And, and it's been really fun to see those relationships develop. So that's the second piece of what we do. And the third piece, next, is our classes for the police. And this just keeps evolving, and we've decided it really kind of is a linchpin of what we do. Every time I think we're going to quit doing it, something happens. I was on the mainland for a meeting and we walked into this mall and this policeman who's very important and has his own TV show and all that stuff, he ran across and went, Miss Deborah, Miss Sarah, what are you doing in Tegucigalpa? I'm like, oh, we're here for a meeting. And uh, he said, oh, I want you to meet my boss. And so I did. And his boss said, so you give English classes to the police? I said, yes, the police in West End are doing great, Cox and Hall. We go sometimes, I don't even show up. He goes, why? He said, well, give me your card. I'm going to talk to the director of all the police about it. And so when we got back next Monday, our class was very full. And so, <laughs> so there you go. So we still keep having police classes. So, and that's really a joy to really minister to these guys. I think they see me as their mother. And I have to say that um, my sons don't always behave very well. But... Um, but it's good to, it's a great place for us to pour life, pour into, and it's, it's a group that's often um, mistrusted and maligned, and there are actually many believers among the police, and in our classes in West End, uh, which is a police station that's in the tourist area, 
we almost always finish singing. At one time, I sing in my other classes because that's a great way to teach verbs. But um, <laughs> uh, we were singing, and I thought, okay, we'll try it with the police. And we did. And then they said, can we sing Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord? Sure, sure. So these policemen at the end of class are always singing <laughs> these scripture songs um, and praying. And there's a, a wonderful group of godly policemen down there, and it's good for us to be there ministering to them because these policemen, when they come to Roatan, they are from the mainland. They're sent over there for three weeks at a time. They live in dorms. They're away from their families. They can go home and see their families for 10 days a month. And they, they're on call 24 hours. They can't leave to go to church or anything. So we're their church. And so it's really a cool thing for us to do that. So that's been a linchpin of what we do also. Okay, next. And so what everyone really wants to know is the house, okay? So this is, this is, and thank you so much for your prayers. And this is a work in progress. We did, as you know, receive an eviction notice October 19th to move out of the house I'd been in for five years. So sure, that was where we were supposed to stay. I was really sure. Um, and so the weekend we got the eviction notice, I thought, I'm going to do one last, you know, emailing people, letting them know what's going on. I have three email addresses. Every, I could send emails, except I could not send any emails about the house out. Don't know why. Wonder why. Do you have a Mac computer? Uh, I do. <laughs> 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 Which works great. It, it survives Roatan. It's a toughie. <laughs> um, and I couldn't send the emails out about the house. I'm like, Lord, this is very strange. Because I could send other emails, but not those. And so... Um, and so then uh, Monday, I just picked up the phone, and I called this guy that I'd heard had a rent house near the school and um, that was empty, and he wanted a, a large amount of money for it, you know, but I still like, okay, I'll call and see. So I called and talked to the property manager, and he says, like, yeah, it's, it's available. It's four-bedroom, three-bath. It's, um, you know, near the school. It's $1,000 a month. I'm like, okay. And he said, oh, you're that teacher George has been telling me about. I go, yeah. He goes, oh, they'll give you a deal. The house has been empty for two years. We're so excited, you know, and we'll fix it up however you want it. And, and um, I had heard that the house, uh, you had to use air conditioning because it is very hot in Roatan. But electricity is super expensive there. And so we don't use air conditioning at all. And so I said, well, you know, the windows were sealed off, and I can't afford a house that I have to run air conditioning in. And so he's like, no, we'll take the plexiglass off and put screens on the windows. I thought, okay, that was my deal maker. If he could do that, then we could move in the house. And so we're living in this house. It's, we're renting, so it's not a permanent solution. Um, but it's on four and a half acres of land. It's a five-minute walk from school. Um, it's very quiet. You can. This is the porch. Can you do the next next picture? <laughs> There's another one. Yeah. This is the inside. It's four bedrooms. Like I said, three baths. Nice dining room. Yeah. Next picture. <laughs> and this is our driveway. <laughs> and we have a kitchen. We're excited because the stove has two racks. So we're very excited about that because our old stove only had one rack. So, um, so the Lord has provided this place for us to live in temporarily, maybe not temporarily. Um, the man that owns it is a businessman from Florida, and uh, he has three other houses up island plus a marina that he owns. And this was like their guy's getaway house. And so you could tell it had three, four easy chairs in the living room facing a TV. So... <laughs> So <laughs> we did have him move those out, <laughs> but, but um, he's just very, um, 
I don't know. He supports the school. His chauffeur is the father of one of our students, and so he sponsors one of the girls at our school. And um, so I met him at the airport. I said, you know, we, we want to live here about six months and see if it'll work, but if it does, be thinking about what you'd sell it for because he's, he's, he's had it for 11 years. It's just sitting there, and he's, he wants to sell it, but he's not in a hurry to sell it. And so we're just going to see what happens, but we got to keep praying. So we're still saving money for permanent housing so that we will have cash on hand when it's time to say, okay, it's time to buy. So permanent housing, it's not solved, but it's, it is, if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> we're in temporary housing right now. And I think the day before I left, um, we were moving um, because I had a lot of stuff. I'd been there five years, and I just had a lot of stuff. And 10 o'clock the night before we flew out, we were moving the last of our boxes to the new house. So we're moved. We're not unpacked, but um, we are moved. And um, Bobby came over the day I was leaving. He said, I just want you to know how thrilled we are that you guys are living here. And I said, well, we're thrilled to be here. So, yeah, so that's an answer to many, many prayers. So thank you very much. Oh, oh, there's another screen, sorry. So, yeah, I forgot about this. What can you do? (laughs) Okay. First and foremost, just pray. You know, I mean, what can we do? That's the most important thing we do. Just pray for us and pray for a solution to permanent housing if this is it that the Lord will let us know. And for our school staffing as we go into the next school year, just make sure we have the right staff, always finances, that the Lord, this is God's ministry, takes money, but he provides and so that's always something to pray about. And here's something you can do. On Facebook, we have a page, Roatan Horizons, or my own page. And that's really probably the best way for, to stay in communication with me is Facebook. I'm really busy, but that's a good way to stay up with us. Uh, we have a wish list on the Roatan Horizons Facebook page of things we need for school. It's an Amazon wish list, so you can look at that, and there are things there that we need. So. And also, come see us. And especially, Sarah and I were saying, why do we come home every year for Christmas? People should be coming to see us. So I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I haven't figured that one out. Yeah, it was 72. You know, the kids come to school in ski hats when it's 72, though. So, I don't know. Okay. Anyhow, thank you very much. It's a joy to be part of this class and listen to you online. And thank you very much. the rope holders. Uh, Jenny Loken here is our contact with that, and she's going to be bringing to us uh, prayer requests and concerns and things that we can do uh, throughout the year. Uh, you know, it's, it gets kind of lonely down there, and uh, be nice to send a card or something. I need to get these right here. Uh, to send a card or to let Deborah know you're thinking of her. And when does school, you said school starts when? February 21st. February 21st, uh, for us to be praying and, and kind of lifting her up as the students and that. So, it's an exciting time to be a part of that and uh, see what, what God does uh, in the future. Well, good morning. Happy New Year. Makarios Irene. I was going to, I told uh, uh, George that. He said, I don't know Greek. I said, okay, well, I didn't even use the right word. So he said, yeah, that's what you do. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Happy New Year and glad to be here with you today. Uh, I thought about as we start uh, today that, uh, I don't know about you, I, I get a little cynical at times about New Year's, you know, like it's just another day, right, with a lot of football. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, you can get cynical if you're not careful uh, to think it's just another day and, you know, it's another year and it's just another thing to do. But as I was thinking about this throughout the week and all, I thought about, you know, this really is a time when we start doing some first things because... I was thinking about this. I did a bunch of last things last week. Did anybody else do that? I, I, I was running my head off last week 
doing a bunch of last things. I, I was asking Becky and looking, did we spend all our medical flex money? You know, anybody do that? Anybody working like that? I tried to see a doctor the other day and he just laughed. Uh, you know, uh, I was trying to, to find out, did I get my last tithe check in, you know, before the end of the year? Because Wayne Bolenbacher is a good friend of mine and he'll come hunt me down if I don't. You know, he knows where I live. Um, you know, I, I kept getting phone calls all through the year about that. I've got to get, make sure, and, I, and we do have health insurance, have to have health insurance by the 1st of January or something like that. There are a lot of things to do at the end of the year, aren't there? Did you do anything funny or weird like that? Huh? You're not going to admit it. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah, Doug, I, well, you're always doing something funny and weird. But, <clears throat> uh, but, but there are uh, some other things uh, as we start the new year that I call kind of first things. Uh, I went out and bought some, I have some file folders uh, for my bills and my receipts in the coming year. Becky uh, always gets a calendar. A two th- she got a new one and she sits down old school and writes in pen the names and dates uh, for people's birthdays. It's really helpful for me uh, to be able to know that. And uh, if I remember your birthday or something, it's uh, it's good. Uh, another first thing we did is get rid of all the candy cakes and goodies that we've been eating for the last six weeks. Yeah, anybody do that? The first thing you do, get it out of here. Although I think I am addicted to sugar now. <laughs> I started having a headache the other day when I hadn't had a cookie. And so I'm starting to carry them in my pocket, you know, just an emergency. Um, uh, I, trying to determine, Becky and I were sitting down talking about some first things, thinking, okay, how much vacation do you have this year? When do we want to go? Where do we want to go? I, I was thankful that I heard that the Dallas Cowboys are one of the first things they're trying to do is find another quarterback, and uh, we'll see about that. Now, the new year gives us really a, an opportunity after we end some things to start some things, and, I, and I'm not talking about resolutions necessarily or doing those kind of things, but I am saying, you know, we're going to start a new year, and in reflecting on that and thinking about that, I thought there are two words that, that kept coming to my mind. I, Dick Greenlee and I were talking the other day. I'm always worried when the voices in my head get quiet because I don't know what they're plotting against me. You know, I'm a little worried about that. When they get quiet, I think, okay, they're plotting, they're working. Uh, But two things did come to my mind, I think that were right, is that as we start the new year, the first things, I've got two words I'm going to give you and we'll work through them probably this weekend next. And the two words start with a P. One is the first things of priorities Priorities, I want to talk a little bit about that, about what, what the scripture in terms of some priorities that we ought to be thinking about. And second of all, practices, <clears throat> some practices that we ought to be thinking about as we start the new year, some practices, some priorities and some practices. And so this first thing here we'll do here on the, the deal, on the outline there is first things, priorities, first things, priorities. Uh, it's not easy uh, to always uh, have your priorities in place. Uh, I had kind of an interesting experience uh, just before finals, final exams. Uh, the faculty on, on, on the finals week on Monday, we don't have any classes or any meetings. We call that a study day. You know what my students call it? <laughs> Dead day. <laughs> yeah. Like there's nothing to do. I'm thinking, okay, final start on Tuesday. Well, this year it was kind of intriguing to me that some, these are not my students. These are other departmental students. It's not actually true, but <laughs> these are some ministry majors that had a 200-point final on Tuesday in Romans. They thought it would be a good idea that on Saturday night, in honor of the Star Wars coming out, you know, the, the, I haven't seen it yet. In fact, I found out Marty Grubbs and I are the only two people on the planet that have never seen a Star Wars movie. 
Okay. I know. I'm sorry. Sorry. Oh, another. All right. Can I get a witness here? Come on. Let's get, yeah. Good. Yeah. So, but these kids know the lines, uh, uh, you know, uh, like crazy. So here's what they decide in honor of that, because Monday is a dead day, right? It's not a study day. It's a dead day. Sunday night at 6 PM, they load up all of the Star Wars episodes and for 13 hours, watch them. Yeah, 13 hours. This seemed like, a, and, and they also incited 80 other people to do this with them. <laughs> yeah, so the next day I'm given a final and they're like, <clears throat> you know, I get through and I'm walking out and I hear this behind me. I hear this behind me. Are you going to have mercy on us? My first thought was, have you met me? I don't give grades. I what? Record, Record them. That's right. Are you going to have mercy on us? And I just, I, I just stopped and I said, you know, I would think mercy is that I helped gave you a study guide to get ready for this test, but you watched Star Wars all night and walked off in Jesus' name. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, in Jesus' name. I, I, I just thought, you know. I remember being a kid. I remember being that young, and I remember struggling with priorities. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm writing a paper at 3 o'clock in the morning. Why? Because I got busy watching Tombstone on the movie, you know? It, it's, a, it's a thing. But it's not just young people. It's us, too. There are times when life gets just so complicated and so busy that we forget the priorities. We forget what is really important. So I want to talk about the first one here real quick. The first priority is this, the proper sequence, the proper sequence. It's a very familiar passage. You can look at it. Follow along with me. Go to your table of contents in your Bible. If you have a Bible or if you have your phone, look it up there in your index. In Matthew chapter 6, I have this honestly now in my phone. I have a list of prayer things I do every morning. And I honestly have this on my phone so I can see it every day. You know why? Because... My priorities and my schedule acts just like yours. It gets filled up by other people. It gets complicated. It gets involved with all kinds of things. And I find myself a lot of times living my life by a lot of pressure or a lot of responsibility instead of the priority here of the proper sequence. Now, these are the words of Jesus. They begin in verse 25. I'm not going to read all that, but he just says, for this reason, I say, don't be worried about your life. Be worried about it. Now, I'll talk about this later about anxiety because uh, we got some reasons for it. He says in verse 31, Do not worry then saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need these. But seek first the kingdom of heaven and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you as well. Now, I, I want to talk about sequencing here. I, I, in, in, in working through some of this, I, I want to tell you, when Jesus said this to people, when Jesus said this to people, don't worry about what you wear, don't worry about what you eat, don't worry about what you drink. You know, I, we live in a country where there's so much that most of us, even when we're struggling, having difficulty, don't worry too much about eating. Uh, you know, I, I, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making a, a bad statement here. It's just, it's different. When you go in the, some of you travel around the world, you know what 
concern over food is. You know what concern over clothing and having enough. You've been overseas. I, I was the other day uh, driving uh, down Meridian, uh, getting ready to take Becky to her favorite place, the Cracker Barrel. And, uh, you know, I don't mind it, but, you know. Uh, I'm there, and, and there's a person, and they're saying they're homeless. I understand. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying these are bad people. I'm not, I, don't know, I don't know what's going on. I've given money before when I felt prompted. But I, I sat there, and I said, this person was homeless, and I said to Becky, look at that. And I'm not, again, being critical here. I'm just observing. She said, what? And I said, look, he's talking on his cell phone. Now, I'm only saying that because of this. In Jesus' world, poverty was crushing. In the rest of the world, I'm not saying poverty isn't a problem here, but I'm saying it gets crushing in other parts of the world. When Jesus said this, don't worry. Look, don't worry about your food, what you drink, or what you wear. Listen, just think about this. One of the reasons in the law that a common laborer, it was the law that they were paid at the end of the day was because generally for the poor, that was all the money they had to buy food to eat that day. It was considered against the law, the, 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 the Jewish law, to pay somebody at the end of the week. You pay them at the end of the day. Why? Because life is a subsistence kind of life. This is not, well, you know, we're temporarily out. You know, Becky and I, we were in seminary. There were days when we ate eggs and, and beans. Not together, but, you know, <laughs> eggs one day and then beans. I mean, it was just, you know, tough. She, uh, she hadn't had her yard mowing work done yet. And so, you know, <laughs> didn't have that extra income. But this is, this is the idea of, of really... I mean, of subsistence living. The other, the other thing, of, of clothing. Only the very wealthy had more than one set of clothes. You know, I, I, some of you have been to other countries and other parts of the world, and people don't have two or three pairs of shoes. You know, thank God for Tom's, the, the company that every time you buy a pair of shoes, they give a pair of shoes. Why? Because there are millions of people that don't even have a pair of shoes and certainly don't have more than one. When Jesus said this, this is not in the context of some affluent kind of society that people have all kinds of things. This is, this is subsistence living. And he says, don't worry. Don't worry about that. I, you know, listen, I, you know, I, I worry sometimes when I'm not worrying, thinking there's got to be something I've forgotten, right? Right? And Jesus says, don't, don't worry about these things. Don't see that. But he says, but... And look at verse 32. That's the great contrast here. And this is not written to a bunch of people who have a lot of luxury and a lot of, a lot of things available to them. He says, but you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. It's interesting. East Stanley Jones is a great, great Christian some years ago. You may have read him some. East Stanley Jones calls this spiritual addition. That if you'll get the sequence right, Cliff, then everything you need will be added. You get the sequence wrong, Cliff, and you may experience spiritual subtraction. Get the sequence wrong. Seek other things first. Get your mind in gear and concerned about everything else first. You know, I tell my students this, and this is just me, it's not you. But I know here in this idea when it says, seek the kingdom of God. Let's look at this. What is the kingdom of God? This word, basileia, can be translated both as a noun, and it is here, kingdom, or it can be translated as a verb, basileo, 
Uh, it's like uh, in, in Greek or in English, uh, runner is a noun and running is a verb. Same, same root term. Kingdom here, this idea of basileo is the noun, but the verb basileia, I'm, I'm sorry, basileo is the verb basileo. You knew that, right? Anyway, <laughs> the, the verb rendering of this is more accurately understood as the rule of God. The rule of God. God as ruler, God as ruling our lives, God as directing and guiding. When Jesus said, seek first God's rule in your life, Cliff. Seek that first, not third, not second, not fifth. It's the, the rule of God. It's living in his reign and rule. I was thinking uh, one morning about this, and I'm not, I, it, it was just a question seemed to me to come from God. I think it was one of those voices. I think it was God. When I get up in the morning, I'm pretty awake. It's what really irritates my students. Good morning. You know, they're like, oh. <laughs> but when I wake up in the morning, I'm awake. I, I didn't take a lot of time. And I'm interested in things. And the first thing I want to do, if I'm not careful, is check my email. As if some miraculous thing happened overnight that I need to be called into, right? I want to check that first. And then I like to watch the news, especially the weather <laughs> lately. <laughs> and I just had this thought, and I'm not saying it's a sin. I'm not, I'm not saying you have to live like this, but it just was instructive to me about seeking the rule of God first. When I just had this thought in my head, and it's just this, Cliff, do you want to start your day with the news? Or do you want to start your day with the good news? Which, which one do you want? I mean, I don't think it's a sin to watch the news. or, But why don't you stick your nose in my word for a little while? And you, you can drink coffee and have a donut. And, you know, this. I'm not a, I'm not a monk, you know. That'd be tough, I tell you. If I went to a monastery or something like that, first of all, I'd be talking all the time. <laughs> Second of all, I'd want to have donuts and coffee, you know, for my private time. But, but I find that, that if I'm not careful, my heart drifts to other things first. I'm not saying it's a sin. I'm not saying you're bad. I'm just saying for me, the, the drift, the, the seeking first for me needs to be God. Listen to him. My ear, you know, David said, my ear is tuned to you, Lord. Early in the morning will I seek you. And I don't think you have to do that in the morning. But the rule of God. Are you, are you and I seeking his rule in our life, the way we drive, the way we spend our money, the way we spend our time, the way we use our influence? Is it clear to you and to me that that's the first thing we seek in our situations and circumstances? That God's rule would be operating in my life. Let me, let me give you an image here. I, I tell my students this, that, you know, we talk about Jesus being our Lord and say like that. Here's my word, coachable. Are you coachable? You know, I've known people, uh, I played some sports, you know. I held down the end of the bench. <laughs> Tough job. I've met people before that had some ability and some athletic capacity, but never got any better because they couldn't be coached. 
they could not be coached. We sometimes think about that and think, the rule of God is for God to say to me, Cliff, when this occurs, are you going to let me coach you? Are you going to let me be your coach and tell you, no, you don't do it this way, Cliff, you do it this way. Quinn Bolenbacher's tried to fix my golf game, which is unfixable, because I don't like the game. I like to watch it. I can't stand to play it. I just, I don't, I don't, it's weird, right? You'd imagine that. And I remember when Wayne was, and he's worked with me to straighten out my drive. You know, when I pull in the, no, not yet. I ha, when I, when I drive the ball, I hit it. I like to hit it hard. It's like a baseball bat to me. That's part of the problem. I'm cocking my arm. And, so I want to, I want to hit the ball just hard as I can. Just crush it. You know, uh, it always uh, hooks, which Wayne said, oh, that's good because at least you're getting a hold of the ball. I said, okay. He said, now here's what we're going to do. We're going to work on your grip to, 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 to take it where it's going to hit it straight. And so he said, I want you to lay this hand. I was no interlocking, had to put my hand over like this. I thought, this doesn't feel like a golf club. This feels like I'm sweeping the floor at the house. He said, just, just, just follow me here. So we did that. I, I, I changed the grip like that, and I thought, this is stupid. I'm thinking I didn't say that because Wayne's a friend. I pull back, can't go quite as far now. I can't cock it, you know, just before I'm hitting a hand curveball. And like this, and go through it, sweep straight as an arrow. And you know what? I resisted him for a while because I thought, look, I'm, I'm an athlete. I know what I'm doing here. I got a couple of things I can do, Wayne. You know, I'm a smart guy. I had to be coachable. The kingdom of God, the rule of God is to coach us. To say, Cliff, in that circumstance or that situation, here's how I want you to act. Here's how I want you to respond. Here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to live. The rule of God, living my life in the rule of God, where he is directing and guiding my thoughts, my mind, my reaction. Now, I told you the other day, and I think it's still worth saying. I grew up, I grew up in a tradition that made me think that whenever I was going through life, if somebody made me mad or, or somebody did something that made me mad, I thought, oh, man, I'm not much of a Christian. I want to suggest to you again, and Wayne and I were talking about this the other day, that it's not your reaction to the situation. It's your response to the reaction. You made me mad, now I'm going to say something. You cut me off, I'm going to run around you. You, you said something about me, I'm going to say it back to you. See, it's not that reaction of anger or that, that sense of being, you know, uh, uh, treated poorly. That's normal. We have those feelings, right? That's not it. It's now, okay, Cliff, your response to your reaction. You got angry because they said this. Or are you going to say it? In kind of, or what's going to be your response to the reaction? That's where I think the Holy Spirit coaches us. Are you coachable? Are you willing to say, you know what? I'm willing to let you rule in my life. C.S. Lewis says it's something like this. It's bizarre to think that we would believe in Jesus and not accept his instruction. It's bizarre to say, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not willing to accept his instruction. I'm not willing to accept his coaching me. I'm not willing to accept his, his direction and guidance when things just come right down to it. So Jesus said, seek this first. This is the sequence. Seek it first. Then notice what he says. 
and his righteousness. Seek first his rule and his righteousness. Now, this could be understood, uh, this idea of seek first his kingdom or his rule and his righteousness. It, the word righteous or righteousness, dakasune, the idea mean is to be in the right. To be in the right. So he's saying seek God's way of being right. Seek God's way of living right. We have some of that, don't we? The idea that seeking his righteousness. I want to I have my life to seek and, and, and go after how he considers righteousness or being right. This is where Jesus gets a little, little tough. Because the righteousness or the being right, the way Jesus said is if you want to be great, you become what? Servant. Yeah. If you want to live, you have to what? Die. If you want to get, you have to give. See, it's that upside down being right. That upside down kind of idea of seeking His righteousness. Not my own, not what I think is right. You ever, you ever said that before? Well, that's just not right to me. Well, okay. But is it right to God? Is it His rightness? His righteousness? So this sequencing here that Jesus says, do this first. Seek this first. So in the new year, what I want to ask you to consider, would you write this down somewhere? Would you put it in your phone? Would you put it in a place that you can see it easily to say that in this new year, the, the sequencing of my life will be that the first thing I'm going to seek is the rule of God in my life and the way he says, Jesus says, to be right with God or to be righteous to be in the right. It might change a lot of things. It might create a new kind of living, if you will, to say, I'm going to be coachable this year. God, I'm, I'm going I'm to give in to you on these things. Now, it's easy when it's fun, right? But it's difficult when the rule of God says, here's an area cliff that you need to deal with, where I'm going to be coachable and allow God to work in my life. Seek it first. Does that make sense? I don't know if that's very conscious in your thinking as we start the new year. I have to see it on my phone every day. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm in a blur half the time. I have to see this, that what is the first thing, Cliff, that you need to seek today, this day, every day, is the rule of God in my life of being coachable and the righteousness that comes from him as I follow his will for my life, okay? Second thing, second priority, I think is a critical substitution. The first one is a proper sequence. And as we start this new year, the first thing is a critical substitution. Note, notice here, I want you to look at that passage. It's found in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. These, again, are verses I have on my phone. I have to read them all the time because I just keep forgetting them. Paul says here, and four, I'll start um, at six. Be anxious for nothing. Now watch the contrast again. But in everything. Notice that the contrast. Nothing, everything. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind. 
in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but uh, I have probably in the last couple years uh, battled anxiety as much or more than I ever have. Uh, you know, when I moved to Oklahoma, I knew about tornadoes and hot weather. I didn't know about earthquakes waking me up. <laughs> I didn't know about a monthly ice storm. Listen, I got a tree that we're on best friend basis now. I've been out there saving him. I didn't know about a house exploding on 122nd in Rockwell. You know, I mean, I, hey, I, I'm just telling you, I, there's a lot of anxiety that seems to be consistent with the world and place we live in. Now, this, let's look at this. Paul says this through Jesus. Do not be anxious about the big things. <laughs> well, look at this here. The, the word anxiety means to be troubled with cares. The word actually shows up, if you want to see this later, the word actually shows up, this Greek word, to be troubled with cares, back where we were in Matthew 6, in 625, 627, 628, 631, and 634. When Jesus said, you seek first the kingdom, why? You know what's the alternative? Worry. <laughs> Spend your time worrying you don't have time to seek first the kingdom. There's a direct correlation between this word, the same exact word here in Philippians and in Matthew 6. Be anxious. It means to be troubled with care. And we've all got cares and we got problems. You know, I got a tree that I got some limbs with and I went out and cut it down and, you know, did some of that. So I did some very manly work over the holidays. I've been taken off yard duty for a year, okay, because I did some very manly things there on the tree. This word here, though, when it says don't be anxious for anything, the Greek word nothing or is, is, a, is, a, is a compound term. And it literally, you know, when a Bible professor literally, well, why didn't they literally translate? Well, because in English, if you translate every word, uh, literally, the Bible would be in 14 volumes. You couldn't carry it around. It'd be too big. Like in Romans 8, 26, when it said the Holy Spirit helps us with our weaknesses, the word helps is sunantilambanata, which means to be on the other side of the problem with us lifting. How about that? <laughs> this word nothing is a Greek word that means this, not one thing. Wow. Not, be anxious, not for one thing. It's going to give us the answer to that. It isn't just live by a negative. Just live by a negative. You, you know, years ago, uh, we had this annual meeting we've had here in Oklahoma City the last couple years, and it's usually in, it was in Anderson, Indiana. And I was a pastor back then, and we were living in Louisiana. And I was uh, many years younger. I was probably about 39 or 40 back then. And... Uh, I was uh, able still at that point to jog. My back hadn't gone completely out. So we went up to, to Anderson and went to the uh, annual meeting. And that afternoon, I decided I'd go jog and work out because we'd been eating like we're going to the electric chair. And, uh, you know, <laughs> man, when I go out of town, I'm t I, that's why I exercise. I am not afraid of food <laughs> at all. And for me, traveling is coffee and donuts the whole, whole way. So I went out running. I said to Becky, I'm going to go. And I, you know, I wasn't being real careful about what I was doing. And, and it was a little warm, but it wasn't Louisiana for crying out loud. So I went out and jogged and just burned four miles. And I didn't break a sweat hardly. I came back in that room and I said, Becky, your husband 
is a, a literally a lean, mean running machine. She threw up a little bit, and I really did. I just said, "Your husband is a lean, mean running machine." Well, we went to dinner, and I had a little. I wasn't very hungry. My stomach started bothering a little bit. I thought, "Well, that's weird. I don't usually have much stomach trouble." Um, probably need another donut. Uh, I drank some coffee, and we go to the meeting, and we're in the meeting, and all of a sudden we're sitting there, and it's a big, big place, whole like 5,000 people. And I start getting hot, and I get cold, and I get dizzy, and I get like this. And I said, I got to get out of here. She goes, I saw, I, something's happening, and I don't know what it is. And so I, I just kind of worked my way out. Of, actually, I went to a medical place. I was hoping they had no needles, but I went to a little medical place. My blood pressure was 86 over 34. I found out that's low. <laughs> now, as a runner, I thought, that's great. You know, didn't know that much about medicine. Anyway, I feel like I'm going out. And my dad comes out behind me, and another guy comes out behind me. This is a little funny. I'm like this in a chair, and all I can see is my dad's stomach and this other guy named Ero Moore's stomach. And they're overweight. <laughs> and I literally had this thought. This isn't fair. <laughs> really, I did. I, say, I, I really said this to myself. I don't eat red meat. I don't eat mayonnaise. And I barely ever, ever eat cheese. I am dying. And two fat guys are praying for me. <laughs> They were. My dad said, Ero, come, let's pray for Cliff. He's not, he's sick. Really? I thought, I'm, and I'm dying, and they're fat. <laughs> now, I say all that to say this. When it was happening, I said, oh, God, I think I'm dying. And I heard, the Lord, I heard him say, stop it. And I said, what? He said, be anxious for nothing. And I said, Lord, I can't even be anxious when I'm dying. <laughs> He said, you're not dying yet. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. You know, as I start this new year, I, I try to do a little reflecting. And I think about the time and hours I've spent wasted, worrying, anxious. Let me tell you what I've discovered. Paul's got it right here. Don't be anxious about anything. You know, people will tell you, uh, you know, because faith and anxiety cannot operate in the same place. Craig Rochelle wrote an interesting book called Soul Detox that I recommend when he said this, and it, and, it, and it got next to me quick, when he said, your anxieties and your fears may in some sense really be your functional gods. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of losing? What are you afraid you will change? Rochelle said it could be that that anxiety is really a functional God. Because you don't think you can live without it. Or you don't think you can go on without it. When you can't. I'm not saying that's easy. I'm not, you know, I don't have this all mastered. But Paul said, don't be anxious about anything. But, 
in everything. Everything. See the contrast? By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Look, I know you guys have kids you're worried about. You've got families. We've got people looking for jobs. I'm not trying to be silly here. I'm simply saying there is something here that says instead of anxiety about anything, replace it with thanksgiving and prayer about everything. In the addiction literature that I read, that I have read over the years, says this. One of the key things... And getting people out of addiction, no matter what it is. I'm not just talking about alcohol and drugs. I'm talking about all kinds of addictive behaviors we have. Is this. Developing a sense of gratitude. Developing a sense of gratitude. People in addictions tend, and we all have them. I've been addicted to work. I've been addicted to approval. I've been addicted to people's opinions. I've been addicted to things. Okay? It's because when we get a lack of gratitude, we get to where we don't feel like we're being treated right or somebody's not doing well or God's not giving us a fair shake. Instead of saying, no, wait a minute, in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It doesn't say don't pray about it. It doesn't say, hey, don't pray for your kids. Just be thankful. It doesn't say don't pray about a job. It says, look, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known. It doesn't mean to, this isn't denial. This isn't just, you know, buck up and take it. This is to say, I'm going to pray about it, but I'm going to pray about it with thanksgiving. This is an important substitution. And I don't think, at least in my own journey, God has to bring me back to this over and over again. The only way I've ever been able to deal with what I call pernicious and, 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 and chronic, seems like to me times, anxiety, is to get busy thanking God. To get busy being thankful. I, I've taken a sheet of paper out before. And just like Marty, just go down the list and say, man, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. You know, for all the blessings that I have. I was thinking the other day, you know, we, maybe I don't tell you this, but we never lost power during the ice storm. Because we're a godly neighborhood. <laughs> Rest of you heathens. But I, you know, I, I'm sitting here in my front yard, and I've got this beautiful live oak. It has three trunks. Looks like the Trinity. You know, that's a religious tree. And I'm sitting there worrying about it. It's just like the Spirit of God said to me. You know what? If you lose power, you'll get it back. There are people in other parts of the world won't get it back. They're not going to get power. I thought, about what a wonderful country we live in. We have an emergency. There are people that show up to help. Listen, the other parts of the world, some of y'all have traveled there. There's not any help. Your house gets flooded out. Things burn to the ground. There's no help. And I'm sitting there thinking, my gosh, Cliff, could you not stop for a minute and be thankful for a house, for electricity, for friends who will come and help Becky clean up the yard if it gets bad? <laughs> a couple of you. Be thankful. I'll give you two other verses real quick, and we're, I'm going to shut. I didn't get far as today. First Thessalonians, Thessalonians 5.17. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God concerning you. Did you hear that? In everything. So you're, there's that word again like Paul uses. 
In everything, give thanks. But that's the will of God for you. I have students, you know, they want to come because they, they want to get married or, you know, or, or something. Or, you know, they, they come to me and they think I know, have an answer. And I tell them, you know, I'll, I'll pray with you, but I, I may not have an answer for you. They say, I'm seeking the will of God, you know, about getting married or I'm seeking the will of God about a job. And I say, well, can I ask you a question? Are you giving thanks and everything? Huh? Huh? No, are you giving thanks in everything? So why do you ask that? I say, because it says in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. You're not going to find the will of God disobeying the will of God. Okay? So let's start where we can start. Let's quit worrying about the marriage. Let's quit worrying about the car. Let's quit worrying about the job. Let's start thinking about ourselves here. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. I can tell you what the will of God is for you this year and for me. To give thanks. To give thanks. I think it's, I think it's faith in shoe leather. You know, it's just, God, I trust you. I believe, and I'm going to say it's easy. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying I got this all figured out. I'm just saying I know what it says. And I'm asking Jesus to help me. You know, in Ephesians 5.4, it says, give thanks for all things. Now, we can argue about in all things, for all things. I'm not going to get in that argument. So, well, you know, I'll thank God in all things, but I'm not thanking Him for all things. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to argue about it. I'm just saying this. Thankfulness and gratitude becomes that substitute for anxiety that we're all going to deal with. One way or the other, you have dealt with it. You may be dealing with that. Another great verse, that's Ephesians 5, 4 and 5, 20. Ephesians 5, 4 and 5, 20. Another one I really, really love because I, I really need this verse, this substitution with thanksgiving. It's found in Colossians chapter 4. And, and I really, I'm running out of time because... The next couple of weeks, I'm going to share with you some other priorities and practices for this new, new year. But here, here's the other one. In Colossians 4, it says this. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it. How? With an attitude of thanksgiving. Notice there. <clears throat> Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it. In what? In prayer. With an attitude of thanksgiving. Listen, I cannot tell you how many times I've not been alert enough in my prayer life to not realize I'm just worrying with my eyes closed. Anybody? That's all I'm doing. I'm rehearsing. I'm thinking about all the problems. I'm not alert enough to realize. I'm just worrying and calling it prayer. Paul said the way you stay alert in prayer is with thanksgiving. Wonderful way. Now, I've got something for if you want to today. We're, we're going to talk about some practices over the next week or so. I want you to get this word in your head. Oh, by the way, here, here we go. Here, let me do the application. And then uh, eventually, sometime today. Here we go. <clears throat> what if this week you put one of these priorities on your screensaver of your computer to remind you each day of this priority in your life? Is it Matthew 6.33? Is it seeking the kingdom of God first, the rule of God first? Is that the one you need? Or is it to substitute anxiety with gratitude? Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Put that on your screensaver. Put it up there and see what happens. Which one is for you? Maybe, maybe they're both for you. I don't know. But, but, but the idea of, of putting that up there to say, here's the first things I want to do this year. One is I want to seek the rule of God in my life and His righteousness, not mine. And or I want to substitute the anxiety that seems to get a hold of me 
with thankfulness and gratitude? Which one? Or maybe both. Now, over the next week or so, we're going to get back to John 14 eventually, but I'm working in there. We're going to talk about some practices. Some practices. But here, here, here's what I want to tell you. You've heard me use this terminology, but I want to dial down a little bit on this. When I was growing up in the church, I always heard of many of the things that we did as disciplines, spiritual disciplines. I'll concede that it takes discipline to do them, but we're going to be talking about the next several weeks. The church has never called them spiritual disciplines. I, I can tell you, my wonderful mentor, friend, Thomas Oden, who knows more about the church fathers than all of us put together, would tell you that these practices that the church has always participated in have been called means of grace. Means of grace. I want to talk to you about the means of grace in the new year. Because here's what the problem is. <clears throat> Whenever we understand these things as disciplines, there are two real big problems. You know, I, I told you before, my dad raised me and said, well, I'm just disciplined by nature and loud. <laughs> I am. I've been exercising for 34 years and I've missed 11 weeks. In 34 years. It just has never been hard for me. To be disciplined. I weigh four pounds now lighter than when I graduated from high school. It just isn't a problem for me. But here's the problem with spiritual disciplines. Some of y'all are thinking if I weighed four pounds lighter. I'd say they wouldn't be able to see me. <clears throat> than high school. The problem is this. That if you're not disciplined and you don't do them, you'll fall into despair. Right? I mean, some of us say, I'm going to read the Bible every day, but I'm going to be disciplined this year. Boy, that's going to not work. So on the one side, if they're disciplines and you don't do them, how do you feel about that? Despair. Guilty. Yeah, isn't that a wonderful thing? <laughs> on the other hand, if you succeed... If you're a little wired up like me and you succeed, what's the problem? Pride. So I could just tell you, well, you know, D, the problem is you're just not praying enough. If you prayed like me, right? Because I want to grow up and be like D and stand when I get older. <clears throat> See, this is where the problem is. When they become disciplines, they become achievements. They've never been understood as that. These practices we're going to talk about are the means of grace by which we align ourselves to experience God's grace. Here's the last thing I'm going to say. Let me give you something here. We're going to be running around. Here's this. From a Wesleyan standpoint, I'll just tell you this. Biblically, grace has always been understood as both pardon to forgive us of our sins and power for living. We got to have them both in this new year. Listen, I'm down with and I'm thankful for the fact that grace is for pardon. Okay? But what we need in the new year, the first things we need in the new year is that grace would somehow empower us to live. I'm not talking about trying harder. I'm talking about all these disciplines. I'm talking about learning how the Scriptures teach us that we can experience the means of grace on a daily basis. Now, Wesley said this statement. I got this. 
have about a hundred of these. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> this is not magic, and it isn't going to fix everything. But I've worked over the years with people that people struggle with prayer. And there are three methods here. I hate to use the word, I use practices. Wesley said this, that the practice of prayer is the central means of grace for God to empower you. I read a book not long ago. I, I highly recommend it. It's called Martin Luther's Prayer Method. Martin Luther was a practical guy. He, he had a barber. And if you've ever seen pictures of him, he didn't do a very good job. <laughs> it looked like somebody put a bowl on Luther's head. He had a barber, and his barber said, could you teach me how to pray? And Luther gave him a little four-step method. It is fantastic. I've got it right here. I've got it written out for you, for you cheapskates. <clears throat> For some of you that buy a book, there's a book. <laughs> so you can buy a book. You can buy a book. I don't sell them, but you can buy them. The other method here is the Acts method. A lot of you probably heard of this over the years. It forces you to give adoration and thanks and confession and supplication. Forces you to do it. You're not going to do it on your own. And then finally, the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to have these up. You just have these. They're real simple. But we're going to discuss this in the next week or so to get these first things in place. The first new year, the first things, both in priorities and in practice. Does that make sense? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, a new year. Uh, for some of us, the last year was great, and there were some wonderful things. And, and for others of us, there were some real challenges, and we've even had some questions about ourselves and the whole deal. Thank you for this new opportunity. And we ask that you would guide us over the next couple of weeks as we discuss both the priorities that need to be in our lives and the practices. Not as some magical <clears throat> approach, but aligning ourselves to what the Scriptures tell us is how to live. Not magic, not, not four steps to anything, but aligning ourselves. So guide us and help us. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.